Well, the Lord is good. Are you ready for some word today? Let's do it. Come on. Get out your Bible and go to James chapter 4 with me. James, the fourth chapter. Father, we're so thankful today for your word, for your spirit working in us and through us. You are mighty in the midst of us now. Lord, by your spirit, speak to us. Open our eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Hearts that are open wide. Thank you for the for the, the work of God on the inside today. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 4 and verse 8 reads, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Say that out loud with me. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. I like the New Living Translation. It reads, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Today I want to continue a series that we began a number of weeks ago that has six really good parts in it so far. (laughs) And uh, it's called Close, Drawing Near to God. And in this message, of course, we're talking about your walk, your relationship, your intimate fellowship with the Lord, and what the potential of that can be. And we're finding that the potential of it is only capped by the reality of God's potential, which is unlimited. And, uh, and so we're talking about knowing God, but not just book knowledge, not just head knowledge, not just uh, learning from someone else, but experiential knowledge. Things that you and, I, you and the Lord have gone through together. Things that you have heard Him say. And He has heard you say. Amen. This is a two-way street. This is something that's supposed to be a dialogue. And ongoing, again, experience with the Lord. If all of our Christianity and all of our walk with God is simply summed up with a few principles or some memorized words or scriptures, then we've really missed the boat here, all right? God has always desired and designed that you and I would walk closely and have an open, intimate fellowship with Him, praise God. And again, it's supposed to go both ways. A lot of times people calling on God to do things. I wonder sometimes how many times God's prayers are going unanswered. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where's it? God do this. And he's saying, you do this. <laughs> and, and again, we, we oftentimes relegate everything to that happens to God did it or God didn't do it. And that's just simply not the case. And our fellowship with him can be so much richer, so much more impacting than it presently is. There is a depth in God that is available to all of us. What I think happens many times, though, is that relationship with God stays on a real surface level, kind of like on an introductory level relationship, almost like if, if, if you had a friend and, and you had another friend and you wanted them to meet, you thought, these these people would just really hit it off. They could be good friends themselves. And so you, you introduced one to the other, said, hey, have you met so-and-so? No, 
here's so-and-so, and hey, here's so-and-so. And you exchange names and, and some basic facts about each other, and that, that relationship began. Uh, you could say after that point, if someone said, hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. But really, the relationship hasn't developed. It's just you've met, you know a few things about them. What if, from that point on, every time your two friends wanted to talk, they always did it through you. And one said, hey, tell so-and-so that da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and, uh, and so you went and said, hey, so-and-so said da-da-da-da-da. And they said, oh, great, yes, I tell them da-da-da-da-da. And, uh, and you went back and, and told them that. And, and that was pretty much how that relationship went. Whenever they wanted to talk, it always went through you. Wouldn't that be kind of strange? How many know the goal would be if they're really going to become friends themselves, you have to step back. And someone says, tell so-and-so, uh, well, why don't you tell them? <laughs> why don't you give them a call? And you are trying to get out of the way of that relationship to let it come together. Likewise, it is in this relationship with the Lord. I think some people, they've met, they've been introduced, and they said, hi, God, you know, and they've received the Lord in their life, but then it stays that shallow, it stays on that introductory level, and most of the communication with the Lord kind of goes through other people. You know, and they have a problem, they call people to pray for them. They need, they need answers, direction. They'll talk to somebody else, but they don't talk to him directly. And you see how that relationship can never become what it's supposed to be if it's always going through somebody else. If someone leads you to the Lord, really that person has done their job. They should step back. We can be an encouragement to one another, and God will use each other, use different people to teach and instruct and so forth. But that person needs to step back so that they have a direct connection themselves. Remember, the Scripture says there's only one mediator between God and man, that is the man Christ Jesus. And too many Christians, the, the extent of their relationship with God is being excited about and thrilled about the experiences of other people. And they hear about how God answered someone else's prayer. How God showed them himself strong in someone else's life. And they're positive towards it. They're like, yeah, it's not like they have a bad heart. But they don't have that themselves. They don't have those experiences themselves. And again, you can see it many times in how frequently people seek others to pray for them. Every time there's an issue, every time there's trouble, well, you need to pray for me. Well, why don't you pray for yourself? Why don't, don't you know God loves you? Why would you want me to send him a message when he has, he, his ear is open to you? Hmm. And you can see how kind of subtly, now it's saying we shouldn't pray for one another. That's a scriptural purpose uh, and in principle. However, if we're not pr- doing most of our praying ourselves, then we're almost living our life uh, with God in, you know, someone else's like in proxy for us. And it's not supposed to be that. The Father Himself loves you. The Father wants to be in your life. And if you're ever going to experience Him, you've got to have your own experience. If this is ever going to get really good, 
so good you can hardly stand it. You got to have your own experience. You got to know his voice yourself. And that's what the Lord really wants to take place in all of our lives that we know him experientially. Now we were sharing with you in a really good part 6 of of this <laughs> of of this message about uh living a spirit life because we realize that God is spirit, we are spirit beings, right? And and God does not have a relationship with our bodies. All right? He he's typically not talking to our physical ears. We're not seeing him with our physical eyes, but we are to relate to him on a spiritual level. And only when we, uh, when we recognize that and then participate in that, does this intimacy begin and does it exist? I'm not, I, my body doesn't relate to the Lord. And so we're talking about that interacting with, interacting with God, having an awareness of the spirit realm and and that God relates to me that way it, it's essential for this drawing near to him to exist because think about it again with our text if i am going to draw near to god then he is going to draw near to me if i'm not going to draw near to god he's not going to draw near to me but if i have drawn near then he has drawn near if i've done that then he is here close right now. Amen. Go to Luke chapter 17 for a moment. And let's, let's look at this continued uh, principle and understanding of the way that God works with us. The flesh has a tendency to view all things natural. Everything's in the external world, whereas at serving a a God who is spirit, I must see beyond the natural. I must see beyond the physical world. That's essential. But if I don't look at things that way, every time I hear Scripture, I hear the Word of Jesus, I hear, hear God say something through the Word, I'm going to tend toward a natural understanding of it. A physical world explanation of what He's saying and thereby often miss the point. They had that same issue in, in the days of, of the Lord. In, in uh, Luke 17 and verse 20. 17, 20. Uh, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, nor will, nor will they say, see here, or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. They're looking for a natural kingdom. They're singing, the kingdom of God is going to come and we are going to see it with our physical eye and then we'll know. And I know that Jesus is going to come and set up his kingdom during the millennial reign of Christ. After, uh, after this age is done, we go into that next age and there's some, some truth there. But Jesus is, I don't believe he's referencing that. He's saying the kingdom is not going to come with observation. You need to understand that the kingdom or the king's dominion, the king's domain in our lives, it's going to come and they're not going to say, see, there it is. Or, oh, there it is. It's over there. He's going to, they're going to say, no, it's on the inside. So it's not visible. It is not physically seen. The kingdom of God is something that resides in us. And people today are still calling out, the kingdom of God, let the kingdom come, let the kingdom come. The kingdom came the day you were born again. 
It came and took up residence inside of you. And the king has now dominion in your life if you give it to him, right? And, uh, and he wants to rule and reign in your heart and in your life. But again, we've got to relate to him on an unseen level. Not unseen, but you know, unseen. It's not like we don't see him. We do see him. But we just don't see him here. So I don't see him in any way. <laughs> That's what we're fixing. <laughs> blindness. Spiritual blindness that has happened to so many people in life. And so the kingdom of God, again, is not a physical entity, but the rule of God in our hearts. It is now, according to Colossians 1, our present tense possession. The kingdom of God is already in us. It has already been established. Go to John chapter 4 with me. John, the fourth chapter. You might remember over here, Jesus was having a, a conversation with a woman at, the, at a well Natural well, they're getting water. And you might, if you've read the story, remember he talked to her about, uh, about living water, that she wouldn't thirst anymore. And, uh, and then G, the word of knowledge began to operate in Jesus' ministry in his life then. And he started talking to this woman about her past. And uh, basically she had a pretty rough go at it. And she had all kinds of marriages in the past. And Jesus pointed out, oh, and by the way, you're shacked up with a dude right now and you're not even married, Right? And, uh, and, and so that was his conversation with her. And, and basically she responded um, in verse 19. says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and and truth. Okay, now let's think about his words here. First of all, when we use the language of worship, I don't want us to be limited by an image that we may have in our mind of what worship is. Okay, meaning worship, oh yeah, that's what we do at the beginning of a service. Or worship. That's what we do when we lift our hands and we say, I worship you, Lord, I worship you. That's not what's in their minds. She didn't. Now, that's not saying that's not worship. That is. Okay. But I'm saying, obviously, when she was talking about this, she didn't have imagery of the lights and the band. You know, and, and, and she's got all this stuff going on, and she sees the wave going, and, and you know, and, and it's all this stuff is playing out in her mind. So let's not go there in our mind, where we think we must worship the Father in spirit and truth, and we immediately picture one of our worship services. Okay, not that that's not; it's just not limited to that. When they say. That you must worship God a certain way or she's talking about a certain place. It's talking about uh, worship would include our entire lives. 
Worship would include our prayers, our obedience, our confession, our devotion to Him. It is our lives lived in service to the Lord. It would also include, of course, doing things in service of the Lord, acts of worship. And, of course, she's talking about going to a place to worship. But notice Jesus correcting her and saying, everything's changing now. I'm bringing in a new time and a new day. And it's not about you going here to worship or you going there to worship. It is not about those type of things. It is about something that takes place inside of you. It's not about geographical location. All right. It, it is, it is, but it is about a location inside. And it is about a how that we worship. And he is setting the stage for us to understand how we are going to, watch, worship, not just this, how, are we, how we are going to relate to God in every area and everything that we do. It is about it must be done in spirit and truth. If it's not done in spirit and truth, it's not getting anywhere. What do you mean spirit? First of all, we are spirit beings. First of all, again, first of all, our spirits have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. It is out of that right relationship that I worship God. Okay? Notice Jesus is saying here, the hour is coming and now is. In other words, it hasn't been this way before. And so much of what we learn about the actions of worship from the Psalms, for example, and we learn about expression and using instruments, and we learn about lifting our hands and shouting and, 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 and all these things. He's saying it's not going to be that way anymore. Not that those expressions go away, but, he's, but listen to his language. It's not going to be done the way it used to be done. Worshiping God has taken on a whole new uh, approach here. Now it's in spirit and truth. What's he saying? Old Testament, even King David, it wasn't in spirit and truth. He said the hour's coming and now is. It's a new way. It's a new way to approach God. We should learn this about the Lord. That he establishes a method an approach that we are to have towards Him. And if we don't go that way, we just don't get through. Nothing effectual happens. It's not about the noise. It is not about the activity. It is about doing things in spirit and truth. It is... Uh, I'm getting out of order here, but that's okay. It is possible for someone to... Pray long and pray hard to have much emotion and to even have the right intention and get nowhere with God and have zero results and even get the whole team praying as well and get zero results. And you can cry and, and beg and plead, but God does not respond to that. It will be as if God does not exist in your life. One can pray, one can, one can do all these things, and it can be as if he's not there. Think about it for a moment. 
How much activity is going on around the world getting zero results? Spiritual activity. Nothing. Silence. To where many people, they have come to the conclusion that the reality is, is God is not there. He's not listening. Because we've done this, we've done this, we've prayed, we've said this, and nothing happened. So God is not there, not listening. No, God requires, notice the language here. Jesus said, he who worships God is a spirit, and they that worship him must. Not it'd be a good idea, it's a preferential way. They must worship him in spirit and truth. It's not according to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it's a new way. And if you don't approach God the new way, I guess the worship doesn't get through. I guess whatever activity there is counts for nothing. If that's not the case, why did Jesus use such strong language and say, new, new time here coming. It's a new method. Now you must worship God this way. Because no other way is going to work. And people will try to approach God. They'll try to serve Him. They'll try to live for Him and get zero results. Oh, God is, is so, so, he's so mean, huh? God has set up a higher way. It is a better way. We have a better covenant established on better promises. And if I do not come up to his better way, he's not going to come down to my lesser way. And if I, I continually approach him in the wrong way, I'm just not going to get results. But the moment I have my eyes open... Everything becomes clear. Watch. Spirit and what's truth? That's reality. That's acknowledging what is. What already has taken place. Who God is. Where we are. I have to have a picture of reality in order, in order to relate to God. That's why people in the world today that are not saved. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says it's because the eye, their eyes have been blinded. Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. But the moment the veil is pulled back and we see, oh, God is good. Yes, Jesus died for me. I get saved. I get born again just like that. But now continually, we're told in the New Testament, how many know the primary way we are to pray is not that God would do something, but our eyes would be open to what he's already done. That's the biggest way that you ought to be praying. That your eyes would be open because the more you see truth, the more you can worship him. I don't mean just this. I do mean that. But I mean live for him. Serve him. Be involved in his kingdom. Watch. Draw close to him. How can I draw close to something I don't see? To someone I don't hear? I don't even know where to draw close. I don't know which way to go if I don't have some revelation and some insight and understanding of who God is and where he's at and what he's saying and doing. How can I draw close to nothing? So I pray and I seek him. My eyes are open. There you are. Oh, you're so good. And I learn about him. I understand him, his ways, his love towards me. And I come close to that. And that's called true worship. It is in the spirit. I'm not just in my mind. Not just worshiping with my body. So if we lift our hands. That's worship right? No. That's called lifting your hands. 
It could be an expression of your worship. And we use our bodies and we use our voices and we do all these things. But know this, your worship comes out of a right relationship with God. You're saved by the blood of Jesus and you operate and connect to God on a spiritual level. And nothing else works. You see, the opposite of this would be to worship God in the flesh and according to a lie. In the flesh and no truth. We're not supposed to worship God that way. Everybody with me? Let me, let me say some of these things in a different way that I've said before. Meditate on what is. I like to take time and meditate on things like, I am one with Him. We read these scriptures last time. I'm one with Him. I am His child. Father, I'm born of You. I hear Your voice. I know Your voice. I'm filled with Your Spirit. I'm surrounded by Your presence at all times. You are for me and not against me. You are inside and not far away. Meditate to what end? So that God will do it? No, because He's already done it. And we're opening our minds and our hearts and schooling ourselves in accordance with reality so we don't act goofy and religious and substitute, you know, tradition and override the power of God. Don't, we need to not let ourselves operate in two things at the same time that contradict each other. And sometimes we don't recognize that we're doing it. But someone might come and say, hey, do you, have, do you have the Lord in your life? Yeah, I do. Or someone would say, is the Spirit of God, are you filled with the Spirit? Is the Spirit of God in you? Well, yes. And then we go to church and say, Holy Spirit, come. We say, we say Lord, we pray, Lord, go be with me. Well, which one's true? Which, which one are we going to take? And many times we operate and we say both. We'll, we'll say one thing one minute, we'll say one thing or sing one thing the next, and we'll have these contradictory things existing, and we just need to get settled and be single-minded. God is. His love is, His peace is, His power is, His presence is, His word is, His voice is, His plan is. These things are all established. I really like this language. It's already done. I like that on a number of different levels. Number, healing, God's presence, God's plan, God's speak. I like to just say it. Thank you, Lord. It's already done. You're already here. You're in my life now. I'm not trying to convince you to do anything. You already have. I acknowledge you, Lord. Amen. What should we do with everything that God says? Believe it. Act, on, act like it's true. If you've drawn near to God, guess what? He has drawn near to you. And so there is closeness. Listen, experience. Here He is now. Let's not put it off. <gasps> Someday. Revival's coming. People have been waiting for revival forever. Go ahead and have it right now in your own life. I mean, the revivaler is on the inside of you. Do what you want with that word. (laughs) 
See, what this is doing is helping us to relate to God naturally and without effort. When we adapt this mindset, everything becomes normal, everything becomes easy, a natural way of life, natural way of living. And uh, have you ever noticed that, that we have a tendency, maybe you've done this, have a, have a tendency to make things complicated? Tendency to make your relationship with God really complex? Oh, this is, this is really hard. You're talking about God? <gasps> He's mysterious. He's, he's hard to wrap your mind around. Really? I mean, is that what he wants to be in us? Someone that we just absolutely can't figure out what he's saying, what he's doing. His voice sounds like thunder. You know, his, it, uh, it, it's hard to just to, to relate to him. Is that the way he planned it? I think we do that. Have you, have you noticed in, in, in business and in any organization, there is a tendency for things to gravitate towards complexity. Anything that's existed very long, it, it just seems to get massive. Like our government? I mean, isn't that the way it happens? It's like the longer our country exists, the laws keep stacking up. You've got to regulate everything. I think if I were there, I would say, yeah, if I were king, you know, and... <laughs> Because then you can make something happen. <laughs> I would say, it, wherever we add a new law, we have to get rid of an old one. You know what I'm talking about? Keep this thing manageable. But, you know, stuff goes towards complexity all the time. Even churches do this and organizations. But churches do this where we add program, new program, new program, new program. And the longer you're in existence over the years, all of a sudden you're doing a gazillion things. And probably at some point you're doing everything not very well. Because you got so much going on, you can't do a good job, as opposed to focusing and say, you know what, we really believe that God wants us to do these things, and it's a smaller number, and so we're going to do these things, and we're not going to have a ministry that does everything, we're going to have a ministry that does a few things, but we're going to do those really well. You know what I'm talking about? And so there's that tendency. Now, in our lives with God, I think the same thing is happening, and it is a work of the enemy. Look at look at First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter eleven with me. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. See, simplicity must be maintained on purpose. If we don't, again, we we gravitate towards this massive thing that's hard to wrap our minds around. All of a sudden, we're trying to have a relationship with God and walk with Him and worship Him, and it's hard. And I can't understand it. And it's so complex. That's the work of the enemy in your life. I'm sure glad I'm not a politician and I can say Satan and not get crucified for it. <laughs> anyway, if you've been watching the news, you know what I'm talking about. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, Paul said here, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now think about that language. There is supposed to be simplicity in Christ. But Satan's strategy is to corrupt our minds away from that. And when we get to thinking, this thing is hard to understand. It's way complex. There's so much involved. Then he has succeeded. Think about the, the example here 
is the way that he deceived Eve. In other words, God basically came to them and said, eat away, have at it, you got the whole place, leave that one out. Right? Don't eat of that tree. Satan came to discuss it. Has God said? You know, if if they would have just said, you know, God said don't eat that one. Good. We're good with that. Don't even talk about it. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. God said, don't eat that one. Okay, good. Let's not eat that one. But he began to make it a little bit more complex of an issue. Well, did he mean this? Was it this? God just didn't want this. And when they started entertaining that there's, oh, there's a lot we have to look at here. We've got to analyze all these different things before we make a decision on whether we should actually eat that or not. If you'd have just stayed with God said no, everything would be good. You know what I'm talking about? And in our lives, can we keep things simple that way? As far as how we act, how we relate to Him. If He says yes, good, I'm with that. If He says no, that's bad. Why? That's just this. Anything else you want to talk about? (laughs) You know, and move on and stop falling into the trap of making it so complex. Of making it, but Satan is working that way. He uses deception to attack our minds, and this is one of his strategies. Look at Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11. See what the Lord Jesus said about this walk. Matthew 11 and verse 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the way Jesus described this relationship with him. If we are making it more than that, that's a trap. If we are, well, it's hard. It's hard to serve the Lord. We're yoked up with the wrong Lord then. We really are. If we are striving and trying hard, we are not walking with God. We're walking with ourselves in the name of walking with God. I like this, this verse, these verses right here in the, the Message Bible. The Message. Look at this with me. Are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me and watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly Isn't that a good way to think about it? Oh, praise God. That's the way He wants us to relate to Him. This is not supposed to be difficult in striving. It's possible for you and I to pray for hours and hours and hours and get further away from God. It's possible to approach a need for a a healing or a miracle in your life. And the the more you strive and the more you stress and the more you push toward it, the further away you get from it. That's why we've got to begin to relax. And accept what is. Acknowledge what he said is. And then there it is. And then you watch and see it come to pass. 
Let me read a couple verses to you. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by your might, not by your power, by his spirit. That means it's easy on me. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. How do you define your life? How, How did Paul define his life? He said, It's not really me. It's Christ who lives in me. It's an awareness of Him and what He has done, what He's already finished and already accomplished. It is an awareness of that that makes an ease come to life. He said in 1 Corinthians 15.10 about Himself, but He said, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Now, many of you can relate to that. Oh, yeah, I work hard too. I'm working. But he qualified. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He even said, even when I'm working hard, it's kind of like it's not. It's like, well, it's like God doing it through me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. This is a new way. This is spirit and truth. This is how we serve him. This is how we live for God. This is how we walk with Him. This is how we get close to Him. In spirit and truth. Not in pulling our hair out. Not in trying real hard. Not in convincing God. Come on, God. You can do it. I mean, you're God. You totally could. Why just don't you just do it? That will go silent year after year. There'll be zero response to that. But the moment we say, God, you are. You are in my life. I am washed by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I'm accepted in you. My spirit has been made one with your spirit. And I'm not going to try to make anything happen because it's already done. And here I am in your presence. I come boldly before you now. And it just is. Amen. That is a retraining of our mentality to relate to God on a spiritual level. Again, if you don't know, if, you, if any of you missed previous messages in this, you've got to hear this from the beginning. God created us to have open communication with Him. That's the way it used to be in the human race. People would just hear God throughout their day and have a conversation with Him. We've trained ourselves away from that. And maybe you and I didn't do that intentionally, but it's been in our in our culture, in the human race, for so very long. And here we are, but we can get it back. Individuals have. And their walk with God becomes so real, it's more real than the people around them. The more we try, the more we fail. But the more we accept what is, the more we enter into it. Amy and I had these friends years ago. They were uh, some... uh, in the, in, they were in ministry, Baptist folks, and they were been married just a handful of years, but they were trying to have a baby and had been trying for some time and weren't able to. They weren't able to connect, weren't able to get pregnant. And uh, so after a while, they basically gave up on that and decided to adopt. And so they adopted this nice little baby girl, and uh, and soon as they did, they got pregnant. And, uh, and then had multiple children after that. <laughs> What's going on? I understand that's not so very uncommon. 
it is these principles work in so many areas of our lives. What happened is they stopped trying. They stopped stressing and the, the unbelief that hinders people from getting what they want was removed. It was just, let's just, and then all of a sudden the way God created them to work, worked. It really did. If ever we find ourselves trying to believe God and we're stressing over it and trying real hard, we are not in faith. But when we get to a place where we can accept what is, we communicate with God easily and naturally, then watch. Bam, bam, bam. We're at rest. We're at peace within ourselves. That is faith. But outside of that, things are not really going to work like they're supposed to work. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's a... There's an element that is true in aviation where an airplane can get into a situation and it, it, the, what it's called is the regions of reverse command. And it's possible to get into a situation in an airplane, usually happens with uh, flying slow and coming in on approach, is that you can get a situation where you're going slower and slower and so you think, more power, I need more power. And the more power you give the airplane, the slower you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, but that's just an actual reality in the natural world of this principle, how you can give something more effort and more power and get further away from your desired result. And it's possible, like I said before, it's possible to pray in such a way where you get further from your answer. I've, I've had times when I've prayed for, you know, I may pray for an hour and just not get a thing, but I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to hear from God. I'm listening real, mm. I'm trying, trying to get God to talk to me and try. And then I, I do that and then go away from it and just do something, nothing. Like shave or, you know, brush my teeth or something. You know, something where you, I've had this happen numerous times where you're just distracted enough to where you're not trying. You just get away from the energy and the effort of, of being in the mind and all of a sudden, your spirit that just is becomes real to you. And I try to hear from God for an hour, and then I go shave and hear from God. <laughs> Why? It's this principle. We have to keep it simple. We have to stop trying. It doesn't mean we're not going to pray. I still I like to spend time in prayer, but I intentionally catch myself now and then trying too hard. When I say intentionally catch myself, I, I make myself aware. Do not make this where you're just trying to get in there. Come on, God, show me. Tell me. Reveal to me. You can do it. Just relax. Thank you, Lord, that you are. I do this. Thank you, Lord, that you're with me now. Your presence is in me. You love me beyond my comprehension. I'm your child. I'm born of you. Your spirit is in me. And so I just, I'm, I just thank you that you're with me. I, sometimes I'll just be real quiet, not trying. And then I'll pray. Then I'll worship. But he's here. He's not over there. He's willing and he's communicating. I'm not trying to get him to. Keep it simple. What if, the, what if I don't hear the Lord say anything? Well, which ears are you listening with? And just relax. Everything's fine. 
You're saved. Your, your, your future is it's good. We can't let the absence of what we think should have happened and the way it should have happened cause us to get freaked out again and stressed out again. And oh, I'm not close to God. Yeah, you are. You are. So just worship Him. Thank Him. And watch. Not over, not just I did that today or I did that last week. Normal way of life. It's where we live. And it's how we'll walk with Him for the rest of our days. Continually for the rest of our lives. Now watch what's going to happen. Over time, experiencing God will become a part of your relationship with Him. It's not defined by a five-minute period of time or I went to church this day or I prayed with this. No, it's our entire lives. We live with an awareness and a communication with Him. When we do, then bam, bam, throughout our lives, we'll, he'll, he'll speak to us. He'll reveal. He'll show us things. We'll talk to Him. He'll talk to us. He, he'll answer our prayers. We'll answer His prayers. Amen. And realize this is a dialogue. This is a relationship with Him. And you'll find yourselves, man, there's no space between us. I just live with the Lord. He's with me at work. He's with me at home. He's with me everywhere I go and in everything I do. He's everywhere. His grace permeates the air. I'm with God and I talk with Him about as easy, with about as much effort as I use to breathe. But with about as much effort as I use to blink my eyes. Not even a thought toward, it, toward trying to get it to happen. You want to make blinking hard? Start thinking about it. <laughs> Start counting them. Start timing your blinks. <laughs> Measure it all. Measure everything, yet we do that with our prayer time, our time with God. I went to church X number of times this month. I prayed this many minutes. I said, you know, it's like we're measuring everything. Man, it's just supposed to be natural, like breathing and blinking. Amen. And when it becomes more than that, stop. Stop. It's Satan's trap to make it complex, to make it difficult. Amen. The Lord is helping us. He's helping us. And this relationship with Him is going to be like never before. But it's going to be always what He desired and what He planned. Amen. Pray with me today. Father, thank You for Your presence. Thank You for being in us, in our lives, right here, right now. You are ever-present and ever-present help in time of trouble. You are not far away, but with us today. You're in our hearts and you're in our minds. We think about you all the time. Not trying to convince you to do what you're unwilling to, but Lord, just opening ourselves up. We're, in, we're at rest and we're at peace. That you have given us your all. You've given us your best. We are saved washed and cleansed on the inside nothing else remains but righteousness and true holiness and an intimacy with you Father I pray for myself but I pray for these 
that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that you would give unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, may the things of the Spirit, may the things of God become so very much more real to us. What is, is. Lord, help us to be not so connected just to the physical world, but to live our lives in tune and in touch with you. We acknowledge you now in your presence in our lives. Thank you for working in us today. In Jesus' name.